This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide story that affects you. And as you're probably aware by now, one of the biggest challenges we're facing in the coronavirus pandemic is a shortage of life-saving medical supplies and equipment, commonly known as PPE, like ventilators for critically ill COVID-19 patients. Johns Hopkins University says Americans may need as many as 740,000 ventilators during this crisis, and there are only about 160,000 available right now. And we've heard a lot about automakers retooling their shuttered plants to help make more of this equipment and these supplies, of course. But I'm not sure many of us fully understand what it means or looks like. When the idea was first floated, a lot of people said, well, that's a nice idea. But automakers don't really have the precision parts, the digital software or the expertise to pull it off quickly. And right now, timing, of course, is everything. Exactly. And these plans, you know, they have been taking shape for a while now. But President Trump recently decided to use the Defense Production Act in order to get this kind of retooling and have it go quicker. And as it turns out, there are a lot of things automakers can do to ramp up production. We recently spoke with Congresswoman Haley Stevens. She's a Democrat representing Michigan's 11th district. She says, you know, in the end, a lot of it comes down to having great engineers. The physical production of something is whether it's a face mask or an automobile or a ventilator, is very complicated. And it takes a lot of dedicated precision and commitment to good engineering practices. Now, along those lines, auto manufacturers like Ford are already working on ways to essentially serve as consultants for medical supply and equipment manufacturers. The auto industry has a ton of expertise on making things more efficiently, and they think they can find ways to help medical manufacturers in that area. And companies such as GM are looking for ways to design even more simple machines that can be made even faster. Another important thing to keep in mind is that when we're talking about something like ventilators, we're not talking about equipment that is all the same. There are high-end ventilators for the sickest patients that are much more complex and expensive to build. Then there are simpler ventilators for less sick patients that don't require such complicated engineering and parts. And that may be one area where automakers can really help ramping up production, especially because some ventilator manufacturers are talking about making some of their designs open source. And we got to keep in mind that there are still some really big challenges. No matter who is making these things, there needs to be a good supply chain to get all of their parts to their factories. And a lot of work is being done right now to make sure that there aren't any bottlenecks in those supply chains. It's also not always easy to get private corporations to work together seamlessly. And some medical manufacturing companies have been hesitant about working with auto manufacturers. And part of those concerns also have to do with safety. You know, it's so important right now that these machines aren't just made quickly, but that they're also safe. So getting all these things to come together is still a work in progress. So, Shana, on another side of all of this news is what we're doing on the economic side of things to help small businesses, something that we touched on last week. But I think we want to expand a little bit more into that. Yeah. Last week, we talked a lot about what's happening on a sort of local and state level to try to help small businesses through this crisis. And we mentioned the federal stimulus, which had just cleared Congress. So now we also wanted to focus more on the federal help that's available under the stimulus. 
Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of confusion, some would say chaos, about one of the biggest provisions meant to help small businesses. That's the Paycheck Protection Program. It provides a total of almost $350 billion in forgivable loans, uh, and it would offer loans of up to $10 million at 1% interest to businesses and nonprofits with 500 workers or fewer to cover things like payroll and overhead expenses. Uh, The problem is that the rollout of this program has been really confusing, especially for banks and businesses. The Small Business Administration really didn't offer any guidance until hours ahead of the launch. And so members of Michigan's congressional delegation are focusing a lot of their time and effort these days to help get the correct information out to businesses. When we spoke with Congresswoman Haley Stevens, her office said that it had compiled a resource guide for businesses meant to connect them with this kind of help. My goal is to make sure that all businesses who are eligible to apply get the opportunity to do so. My office is here to assist, but I'm not the only office available to assist. The small business development centers, Oakland County maintains one, Wayne County maintains one, uh, also have personnel and services to help our small businesses walk through these applications that are available. So as she mentioned, many organizations are working hard to get good information to small businesses. And another good place to go for information is your local chamber of commerce. Many across the state are holding conference calls and webinars for businesses to help connect them with good information on what's available to them and how to apply. Now, one of the big questions is whether that $350 billion in loans is enough to keep small businesses across the country afloat. And I think the general consensus so far is no, it's not. But Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin has indicated that there's bipartisan support for continuing that loan program even after it's gone past that initial $350 billion. Now, another issue is that the federal help might not get to businesses until May. So will businesses be able to hold on for that long? That's a long time to have little to no cash flow. One thing we do know is that many of us will be getting those stimulus checks in the mail in the next couple of weeks. And Michigan small businesses are probably hoping people will spend at least some of that on their products and services. So, Shana, we uh, as we mentioned, we spoke with Congresswoman Haley Stevens about all of these things. And uh, we started off with this issue of small businesses and what's going on there, and as well as just sort of an overview of what happened with the two trillion dollar stimulus plan. Yes, we did. And you can hear that entire conversation right now. Representative Stevens, welcome to Mishmash. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I am delighted to be on with you all today. Congresswoman Stevens, can you talk to us about the stimulus package that was recently passed by the federal government, uh, particularly about what this will mean for Michigan businesses? So the bill is $2.2 trillion of uh, resources that largely go to support hardworking um, Americans and their financial security. So expanded unemployment benefits, along with uh, security for those who maybe find themselves temporarily unemployed. Uh, We did a one-time direct cash assistance payment to anybody who had filed a W-2 under a certain threshold. Uh, It was $99,000 or $75,000, depending on how you file jointly or separately. And then uh, support also for, for beneficiaries. And then certainly this bill also addressed some of the small business considerations 
very proud to see that um, being plussed up, um, which is billions of dollars that will go towards low interest or um, easily repayable loan guarantees for companies, um, employment protection for companies who want to keep their employees paid during this downturn. Uh, and then of, lastly, the securitization of essential industrial assets in this nation. So in particular, this is for Michigan, so um, important for us, and that's the auto industry. And while the auto industry does not need a bailout, they didn't need direct cash assistance, they did need a certain provision from the Federal Reserve that allowed them to secure their assets. Um, and um, this, what, what, we're, what we have right now, what's going on with the auto industry, which is very low productivity, right? So GM and Ford and Chrysler in the United States have stopped, largely stopped production. Uh, and with that, the supply chain has been impacted. And so part of this legislation also goes towards securing those assets. You did see the airliners get a little bit uh, of a different treatment, which is direct cash assistance. And that was partly because, you know, you don't have a country if you don't have an airline industry. And there'll, there'll be changes in these industries and, you know, certainly want the, the corporate responsibility um, and accountability and oversight that that's needed with that. So that's what we did with CARES. Um, and right now we're very much focused on making sure that every Every Michigander who needs help gets help. We're not going to allow you to fail. We're not going to allow you to fall by the wayside, and um, we're going to carry you through this storm. And so I'm doing it all. I'm talking to everybody and um, encouraging people to fill out impact release forms on my website and draw down on our small business and individual support guide for hardworking Americans and just taking this one day at a time. So, Congresswoman, I think that we have all seen a lot of questions from especially listeners, audience members, about how to take advantage of some of these benefits. There is some confusion about who is eligible for certain things, uh, but let's focus in on uh, small businesses because we've been talking about that here on Mishmash. Talk about what small businesses need to know to take advantage of the loans and other help that's available in this legislation. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I'm going to share to everybody, and, and this is not a brush off, but I I did this a couple of weeks ago because I've worked economic rescue efforts in the past. You know, I was um, at the Treasury Department as the chief of staff on the auto rescue and um, also worked with a lot of the Recovery Act programs. And so the first thing I, I did was I created a small business resource guide. If you don't mind, I'm just going to share my website and where people can access this resource guide. It is at stevens.house.gov. And it's backslash COVID-19. That provides a very extensive overview of everything we did in the CARES Act and other identified resources from the state of Michigan and national partners such as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. There is such strong dedication to our small businesses in America, particularly our merchants, our downtown enterprises. My goal is to make sure that all businesses who are eligible to apply get the opportunity to do so. Uh, my office is here to assist, uh, but I'm not the only office um, available to assist. Uh, 
the small business development centers, Oakland County maintains one, Wayne County maintains one, um, uh, also have um, personnel and services to help our small businesses walk through these applications um, that are available. And to explain what those are, Jake, um, we have right now with the CARES Act, $260 billion in expanded unemployment benefits made available to individuals who have lost their job or who were temporarily unemployed and who maybe found themselves unemployed for a little bit longer given this downturn. The state of Michigan is the one to apply for those um, unemployment dollars. We are also obviously providing immediate direct cash payments to um, certain wage earners in the country. And then there is $375 billion, billion with a B, in small business relief dollars made available. And this includes $349 billion in loans, many of which will be forgiven for small businesses to pay their employees, their mortgages, and other utility bills. And this also includes $10 billion in immediate disaster grants. Oakland County is also um, up until April 6th. They have applications open right now for small businesses to um, keep them afloat um, and certainly to support businesses who are helping or retooling to make um, the personal protective equipment. And so these are these are some of the monies that are being made available and you know they're capped at a certain amount, but they're they're certainly a benefit to um, employers at this time. And everyone who thinks that they are impacted by this disaster or believes that they qualify as a small business, we would encourage them to to look at applying for these dollars. And um, that's why my office has been set up in the way that it has, and our resource guides and, and um, case management services are in full gear right now. So uh, again, that's stevens.house.gov. We've started to see businesses, both big and small, sort of reconfiguring themselves in order to make themselves useful and, and be helpful during this coronavirus pandemic. We've seen distilleries making hand sanitizer. And then on the, the really large scale, we're seeing uh, factories making uh, personal protection equipment. You have some experience with uh, organizations having to reconfigure themselves on such a massive scale. Can you talk to us about sort of what this means and, and your experience with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and thank you for that thoughtful question. We have high demand for a lot of goods that are in low availability. And there's certainly a you know, a lot of great efforts that are being taken by our federal, state, and even local governments to meet the demand for the necessary supplies for American families, for our hospitals, and for essential services, essential businesses. And so Michigan has really stepped up to this moment. And it has been an industrial call to action, and it is the economic fabric and niche of our region, which is that we are a region of creators and makers and innovators and doers. And so, uh, you know, while the big three have shut down their automobile production in Michigan, and with that, a lot of the suppliers have seen their purchase orders fall pretty rapidly. 
many companies from the big three to suppliers to distillery companies who are making that and I left out the hand sanitizer but obviously everyone needs that hand sanitizer right you know they need the antibacterial wipes and they also need that hand sanitizer and it's it's also really in big demand and so people have been coming together with the support of the state and federal government to meet the demand. And I love seeing us make anything in Michigan, right? And that's what's happening. And it's it's very exciting. And it's also exciting to see our schools and some of the teachers in our schools 3D print masks and different things and, and um, head covers, plastic head covers. I know one of the teachers in Plymouth has done that and that's been really exciting to see as well. But um, by and large, we do need to put into place some processes and procedures as it pertains to supply and demand or supply, demand, and inventory, right? Inventory, supply, and demand. And so as we understand what our national stockpile is and what our inventory is, there was an article that came out that kind of discussed what has been somewhat of a, a problem is not understanding where and how to capture the demand in our marketplace for ventilators or for other medical equipments or personal protective equipment. And this article basically shed some light on where the Pentagon has kind of come forward and said, listen, we need to know where to send this. And it, you, you could look at it in two ways. Well, why does the Pentagon not know where to send this? So I'm like, what's going on and who should I blame? Well, really what this is, is this is a problem of open sourcing. And thankfully our country, and this was started under President Obama, has long invested in open source platforms for manufacturing. So what I am working on is, particularly in my capacity as the subcommittee chair for research and technology in the House Science Committee that oversees some of these federal investments for um, open source efforts for manufacturing is the creation of an open source platform that would connect supply, which is inventory, to the demand. And how do you capture the demand? Well, you have to have qualified entities as measured by their activity, which is hospitals or field hospitals. So they have to there's already lots of uh, accreditation associations that accredit our hospitals on an annual basis for ambulatory care, for ICU care, da, 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 da. And so those qualified entities would be able to, in real time, say and articulate what their demand is. And they would also serve as hubs, not just for their hospital, but also potentially even in partnership with their region. And, and they can do that with, you know, if consumers are looking for masks, you know, like our Targets and Walmarts and Myers and all of our stores have, you know, been very well-versed in meeting consumer demand, right? So if individuals want to buy masks, you know, we can leave that, you know, responsibly to the stores that, you know, regularly meet demand and obviously aren't going to commit you know, price gouging or anything along those lines. And, and or people can buy online, obviously. But I think for the medical need, and particularly why this is so serious, is that our hospitals haven't in recent time, really, albeit for blood drives, 
really pushed on this need for equipment. And so what we want to do is with this open source platform is have it operate in such a way where you go to the Michigan channel. And if Michigan is really becoming a hot spot and they're saying, oh my gosh, we're low on leaders and we're low on gowns and we're low on this and oh my gosh, we're even low on personnel, right? Because as medical professionals become exposed to COVID-19, then they're also down for the count until they recover. And so that type of platform, which is likely being spearheaded through the National Association of Manufacturers and MXD, and I'm planning on supporting it through legislation, will really help our nation in this moment of need. And it will also help our makers and our um, suppliers function a little bit more cohesively. So it's not that big of a task. It's just a matter of, you know, we're in like week three of this. So it's just a matter of coalescing the partners and um, articulating this and getting the qualified entities on a state-by-state basis logged in, as well as capturing with the makers and the suppliers in real time um, what they have available. And as a manufacturing geek, I'll just close this out by saying that real-time delivery is essential to the production of any car, right? So uh, every supplier will say, we do just-in-time or real-time delivery, right? Just-in-time, just-in-time. That that was a big evolution um, in the late 70s, early 80s in the manufacturing world. And for the ventilator PPE world, this is not only essential, it's in some cases life or death. And so our manufacturers, particularly in Michigan, Uh, through their great ingenuity and spirit know how to do this and are already doing it because they're making and they're retooling and they're doing all sorts of exciting things. And it's really neat to see all of them are doing it. I mean, it's really, really cool to see them all doing it. One thing about this retooling that I I have to admit I'm not totally clear about, and I'm I'm wondering if with your background and uh, your experience with the auto industry, I'm wondering if you could clear it up. When GM and Ford first said that they wanted to retool or to make uh, medical equipment, especially ventilators, uh, there was a lot of people saying, you don't have the precision parts to do this. You don't have the expertise, uh, that sort of thing. Um, But now uh, they are doing this. They are working with people who already make ventilators to ramp up production. I'm curious. uh, I think we are all aware that the automakers are doing this, but I think it is, it would be interesting to find out more about what exactly they are doing and what they're using their manufacturing might to achieve here. So, The big three are what you call original equipment manufacturers, their final assembly. So for them, this really fits their charge uh, as original equipment manufacturers, which is they connect, for instance, with automobiles, the production, the final assembly of an automobile with the Ford nameplate or the Chevy nameplate or the Jeep nameplate on it. That vehicle comes together through thousands of supplier companies who are not household names. It's this highly interconnected web of very complex supply chains. And all over our district and our region is this steady humming of productivity and manufacturing. 
So with the ventilators and the other materials that our big three are assembling is they are drawing down on their strength and their ability as original equipment manufacturers to do the final assembly of ventilators or for Ford, for instance, they were doing powered air purifying respiratory devices. Um, FCA has really stepped up with face masks as well. And some of that has, they have entities globally. So they just were able to do that um, pretty quickly overseas. And they're also donating considerable resources as well. So for GM, for instance, their partnership was with Ventec Life Systems. And Ventec is a qualified maker for the critical care ventilators. And they were delighted to be able to partner with GM to make more rapidly. A lot of times, um, and that scale, a lot of times what people don't realize about manufacturing is there is a digital thread. There are a lot of digital applications that go into manufacturing um, with computer-aided design and computer numerical control systems, but it's still a produced thing, right? It's still a physical thing. It's not like a mobile app or all digital, right? And so the physical production of something is whether it's a face mask or an automobile or a ventilator, is very complicated. And it takes a lot of dedicated precision and commitment to good engineering practices. And also part of the qualifications for these companies is they put Americans behind the wheel of somewhat fast moving machines that operate at a certain rate of speed with lots and lots of steel, right? I mean, they're dangerous, right? Like cars, cars are dangerous. And there's a big thing um, in the auto industry, a big, big component, you know, with safety and quality controls. For many, many thousands of people, safety and quality is their job. And so it's not that we've stepped, sidestepped um, or ignored any of the safety or quality control procedures as our automakers have shifted from making cars to making ventilators, but they've embraced the standards and commitment to federally guided standards um, just as they always have. And so this has been a shining moment for Michigan in a trying time, but it is one of many examples, particularly examples that our um, people in our incredible neighborhood show every day, how we are going to get through this pandemic and come out on the other side. Congresswoman Haley Stevens, thanks so much for joining us on Mishmash. Thank you, Jake, and thank you, Shana. It was a real honor to talk to you, and thank you so much for your commitment to journalism and uh, sharing information with the public in times like these. Well, that's all for Mishmash this week. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for tuning in. 